0: This episode is brought to you by Portland Distro. If you like underground music, movies, and more, go to portlanddistro.com for licensed merch, vinyl, CDs, and more. Plug in the discount code 10 TENOFF for a 10% discount at portlanddistro.com. Hey guys, welcome to Everything Went Black. We're doing an Unholy Passion episode this week, along with Ralph. So how are you doing, man?
1: Uh, I'm great, Mike. It's glad, glad to be back. Kind of feels like ages between our recordings. It's been but, a while. Uh, yeah, it's the been a real, while. Yeah. The real world is happening again. So, yeah, things are moving. I mean, you're close to going out on the road. I'll be going out on the road with Ultha. We just released that new record on Friday, Out of Nowhere. And had the, uh, today's Sunday, so I had all weekend to like process all the reactions, all the mails, and people are fucking into that record. Yeah.
0: Well, let's talk about that, you know. Um, that's that's it's timely that you and I are speaking right now. So like give us the whole rundown, man, where people can, can download it, buy it, all that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, so um, Ulfa, after one stint with Central Media, we're back with Vendetta Records from Berlin, Germany, which is uh, like a close friend of ours, Stefan. And um, he, uh, well, I, I pitched the idea of not doing any promo whatsoever beforehand. And he usually, like, because of us, when we got bigger, he started with his little label, started to do promo for bands. Now I'm the guy saying, like, I don't want to do promo. And I explained to him, I was like, I, I don't think that this band will get any bigger than it is right now. I mean, we have a loyal fan base and people are into us, but, like... Central media like that deal didn't bring us anything like we didn't get bigger we didn't get any cool tour offers or whatsoever now we're back with that label where we can say like we have absolute creative control and he's like yeah man it's like if you wanted to, not to do promo why why do it? it's like yeah man i just don't see like how an interview a metal Hammer portugal does anything for this band which like tours twice a twice a year for a week um so yeah, it was no. So there was no note whatsoever before that this record will come out, and um, I was really nervous on like on Thursday evening. I got really nervous because like I thought like, damn man, this record has been like circulating amongst like a few people that we know, and it even went to like Def Forever magazine to like have to have it reviewed as the only magazine. And I wrote to everybody, so like, please, please, please. I know everybody likes to spoil the news. Everybody wants to be that guy on Twitter. It's like, I just want this record to come out of the blue for some people. Because people were thinking that like, OFA is not really happening anymore. It's just like, like sometimes playing shows. And then on Friday morning, there was like, still no note. I Googled it. You couldn't find anything. And then on Friday at 9 a.m. The CET I just like released it on Bandcamp and like it went to like all the streaming platforms and then like I, I was in school <laughs> at that time. I posted it, like did the, did the posting on Facebook, did the posting on Instagram, like, had Bandcamp on and then I had to teach five lessons back to back so I didn't have any time to check. But when I when I like went back to my phone around noon, like I had I don't know a gazillion mails, like people like from all around us, like friends are like, "Holy fuck, dude! You're the record? Are you kidding me?" And people online are going ape shit. And then like we entered some like vinyl pre order the CD and the tapes, and Danny does our merch, and she's like, "Um, yeah." So I have like around 300 orders now already. It's right yeah. so, like after three, I, I'm like, "Holy shit!" So Stefan was like, oh, I didn't expect that. And I was like, see, I, I don't think we need promo for this band. And so I have like all weekend it was just like males coming in with love about the record and how much they appreciate the move that like there was no trailer, no snippets of the drummer taking a piss in the studio or whatever people post nowadays. Um, I'm really happy I could pull that off with that band. I mean, I know some people have to do band like do promo, and for some bands it really makes sense. In this case, it didn't make sense, and I'm proud that we like made it without anyone spoiling it. And yeah, so like the primary source would be like Ulfa.bandcamp.com where you can download it for seven euros or seven dollars, and you can order shirts and the CD and the tapes. Vinyl pre-order. I mean, vinyl takes forever nowadays, so that should be with us in July. Um, yeah, now this tour is coming up in two weeks, and I'm pumped to play the new song's life.
0: Who are you touring with? You got just you guys, or you got someone else We're taking with you?
1: No, we're taking uh, Unruh with us. Like, this German band I mentioned in the posting, uh, uh, where people were like, oh, uh, is it like the American one? No, it's the one without the H. And it's... Uh, it's also the same guitar player that also plays in Ulfa. And right. they're kind of like the, or, the only band that remotely sounds like we do. And they just put out a new record last month, their first in five years. And to me, this is already like the metal record of the year. um, And so this should be like all, all kinds of fun, like because they're like our brothers and just like hit the road and play like eight shows with them should be like a good way Getting back into touring mode. Yeah. That's awesome, man. That's great. You know, and I, I I gotta be completely
0: frank with you. I had no idea the record came out on Friday until people started messaging me about the record. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like uh Brandon over at Horror Wolf, he's like, Oh man, the, the new is great. I go, Hold on a second. Then I'm like, Oh shit. Then midway during Friday I'm like, Oh wow, I, I, I gotta like, you know, get on get on point with this. <laughs>
1: yeah but yeah man that's 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 what i wanted people like what really
0: (laughs) i'm always behind on stuff man you know i don't i don't spend a whole lot of time on social media and um you know i kind of especially well i'll get to that later but especially like these days but uh you know but congratulations man that that's great the record's great you know and i'm happy that your, your experiment
1: worked out so that's awesome Yeah, I'm I'm really pumped. I mean, I told you before, I mean, we talked about it. And when I sent it over, this is like kind of the, the most emotional thing I ever wrote. And I mean, it's about the process of stuff dying within you until the way like all the way until like actual life ends. And I mean, we both have our stories about this topic, especially in recent times and i mean i rewrote some of the lyrics because of actual events and like still to this day i listen to this record and it really touches me and like rally with music that i write myself afterwards that i can go back and really say like okay i want to listen to this but i keep going back to listening to this record i think like i think this is the best thing i've ever wrote um and yeah, so I'm really, really proud of it, and I'm glad that people are enjoying it as much as they do. And yeah, I already got like males like, again, Ralph, your lyrics, they're always like, they're there, like, they give me comfort in the way I feel, and and, and it's 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 so cool that you're still around and blinds. It's cool that this band grew into something that is really in the hearts of some people, you know? Like, I don't want to be like big and successful and make tons of money. I mean, I, would, I wouldn't mind if I make <laughs> a lot of money with the music, I do, but... Um, this kind of success to me is amazing because like i have this connection i mean we talked about it forever like with my my favorite bands like new model army or, or bands like this where i like wrote letters to the singers and tell them that their lyrics saved my life and now people have my lyrics tattooed on their arm and shit like this and reach out and it's like there was this one guy he's a he met me through Planks when we toured with Black Freighter all these years back. And he he is like he's he suffers from depression and, and anxiety attacks and we've been in touch now and then and now he reached out and it's like, dude, like whenever you put out music, it's the music that speaks to me the most, your lyrics and it helped me like some of my fights and I feel better now thanks to your music. I'm like, Oh man, this is so fucking amazing. Yeah, so I'm glad to be able to do this and that people enjoy what we do with this kind of music and that it helps them. That's great, man.
0: Once again, congratulations. And um, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm really, really happy for you, dude. Seriously. Yeah. Thanks, brother. Yeah. And uh, anyone out there who likes tombs, we just had a um, a, a single come out, the video, for Ex-Oblivion. And, um, oh,
1: man. Yeah, so people, uh, you know,
0: I, I'm really I, I personally really like that song. And um, if you're on the Patreon, you'll uh, you'll be uh, privy to a, um, a reading of the original H.P. Lovecraft song, Uh, but, I'm sorry, <laughs> the original H.P. Lovecraft uh, prose poem that kind of in a left handed way inspired the song a little bit. And since we're talking about Patreon, I'd like to thank our most recent members of the Patreon team. And that's uh, Kyle from Toronto, Frizzo, and Emilio. Thank you very much for joining the team. And um, yeah, we're, we're really, uh, there's a wave happening right now, it seems like. And I'm really excited about it. And a lot of people are, um, are joining and I am completely humbled by the fact that enough people uh, care about the content that we're producing to actually join our Patreon group. And it really means a lot to me and it's, we're just starting and we're gonna keep rolling and a lot of cool stuff ahead. And if you wanna join, uh, you can pick what tier you want. We have a dollar, which just gives you the bonus content. And then there's a $5 tier, which gives you the bonus content plus early access to um, the regular episodes. And as uh, time moves on, Me and Ralph will be figuring out uh, some other stuff to offer, uh, some other exclusive uh, levels, things like that. So, you know, thank you. And um, while we're giving thanks, I also want to uh, shout out our small, tight community that we have. There seems to be this really organic growth of other podcasts. We're all kind of coming from the same direction. Our shows are all slightly different, but we all have the same spirit. And of course, I'm talking about Into the Necrosphere Horror Wolf podcast, uh, Brandon Legion's uh, horror podcast, Uh, the brand new Iblis Manifestations, which is uh, Cheyenne of Trivax. He has a new podcast. And um, you guys can go back a few months ago, and I interviewed Cheyenne on on this show. And of course, if you like horror, check out Necromaniacs. That's my horror show. I co-host that with Mike Scandato and Jeff Kashid, Mike, you know, New York City hardcore uh, stalwart and Jeff, uh, former bassist for ISIS, the band, not the um, fundamentalist, uh, you know, terrorist (laughs) group Uh, and uh, also Pons. And Jeff uh, has a vinyl version of his ambient project, Crone, which is uh, out right now. So check that out, too yeah it's cool yeah cool stuff
1: and um, yeah it's really cool and it's always cool to interact with people on the patreon and as you said like it's getting bigger uh actually like two things i want to mention about the patreon first off there's a a gentleman who reached out to us on instagram and i apologize i haven't gotten back to him by but but this time this episode drops i hopefully i contact him uh he offered to design something for us for our idea for that shirt the Cthulhu Youth Crew show, oh, wow. if you want to do that. Nice. Yeah. yeah. So I'll, I'll get in touch with him and maybe we can figure something out. And then uh, since the, the question reached me as well, maybe you too, because we started the long shadows thing, like the the subgenre where we talk about weird fiction. And we had like a first episode, which feels like ages ago by now. And we we already mentioned like what the next two stories will be that we'll tackle. And ever since then, Mike and I had, like, maybe 15 ideas of what to do. Um, we're working on it, and there will be more, but it's just right now, like, with every, the preparation for everything, for the tours and shit, like, we're a bit behind. But the thing is very much alive, and we'll be back with that soon,
0: yeah. Yeah, those Long Shadows episodes, I think, require a little bit more preparation, you know what I mean because you might have to go back yeah. and reread some of the stuff and you know put notes together yeah. and you know when it comes to literature I want to make sure we get it right you know yeah so as you mentioned already I'm, right. uh, I'm getting ready to ship out in a couple of days on a, a very short yes. tour um, so this past weekend I dropped my cat off at my parents and uh, yes Ralph and I are two middle-aged men that live alone with their cats <laughs> <laughs> to single yeah. and middle-aged and, we,
1: <laughs> and reading weird fiction oh yeah
0: we fit we fit a profile for sure um, yeah, definitely yeah. yeah so I drove up to my parents house they live like you know maybe an hour and a half away from here and um, I had to go to the pet store to, um, to buy some food and treats and things like that because you know the cat's gonna be up there for a few days and um, I walked into the pet store and it's in this shopping center. And, and this is the town that I grew up in. This is the town that I discovered punk rock in. I discovered all the things that would make me into the kind of person that I am. Like all the, the music and you know books and reading and all this other c- cultural stuff. And this lay firmly on the outside of the contemporary, normal, standard thing that everyone else was into back in the 80s. You know, so anyway, I go into this pet store, some really cool music is being played. Something I'm not even that familiar with. And it's this kind of dark wave, like goth kind of thing. So I'm like, Oh wow, that's interesting. You know, usually you walk into a pet store, especially in that town, you know, and it's some like nice ladies working there, and there's like you know, some just generic background music playing. So I'm walking around picking up my stuff and I go to the counter and this high school girl is working there wearing all black um and i could just tell man like we're in Carmel. this is her playlist this town is like a town of right wing very conservative people i know the feeling that she must have ha- have going to high school she probably went to the same probably going to the same high school that i went to and her whole story was right there it's like you know th- everyone thinks she's weird she probably has like three friends you know guys don't guys think she's funny or weird or you know what i mean she's like that socially on the outside of things similar to the way i was when i was a kid and uh i don't know It just it kind of brought this thing full circle because these were the kinds of girls that i probably would have hung out with i would have been friends with her if i was in high school and when i was in high school there was like a very very small group of people that liked punk rock music and uh this one lady erica who I actually still were vaguely in touch. She would have all these parties at her house and bands would play and she was always into the coolest music. And, um, you know, it's funny, man. I got to say, that's, that's like, girls are always into the cool stuff first. They're, they're smarter <laughs> than guys. They're smarter than, than men. They're more, um, they see things differently. They're more creative and they always they're seem They're tougher. And they always seem to be a couple of steps ahead of us when it comes to what's, what's cool and what's happening. So, Erica would always have the best music playing at her parties, like The Cramps and also the band that we are going to discuss today, X from Los Angeles.
1: How's that? Wait for you a strong? second. Yeah. Very good. But we're not talking about X Exhibit, the rapper, because I thought that's the topic. <laughs>
0: Oh yeah! Oh yeah! I must—you must have uh, got the uh, the the wrong memo on this one, man.
1: <laughs> yeah, because you talked about Los Angeles, and you said we'll talk about X, and of course X is X for respect, man. It's it's exhibit. So <laughs> I have all the wrong notes. You got now. the wrong <laughs> notes. Oh no, man! <laughs> oh, dude, I mean, I have all these notes here about Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg, and about Pimp My Ride, and yeah, well, but but I can adjust because I know the band X, the punk band. I know them bit so we we'll i just freestyle let's 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 leave, let the people believe that i'm freestyling now yeah, this this
0: band always makes me think of just like these cool women that i've knew known throughout my life man i mean like i was saying like back before hardcore you know x you know x was in that period of time in the late 70s that was like punk rock music was more about this more diverse kind of thing where there was men and women and gay and straight and all sorts of people involved in it. And then of course, um, when hardcore came, it became this like, you know, boys club, you know, like it became like, uh, going to, going to wrestling practice or something like that, you know? So yeah, I really, really,
1: you know, this, this is like one of my favorite periods of music absolutely yeah we could, we could maybe like we, we had the gun club down we had the replacements and so we could like unholy twang as like a topic or something because all these bands they they, they share a familiar kind of sound where like punk rock and roll a bit of folk and a bit of rockabilly like intertwine and um, yeah man this is like the funny thing again like you're being like 10 years older than I am and like I found all this music later but it's kind of what speaks to me the most, too. And I mean, I, I just like send you a link to like three new Ropes of Night songs that we recorded, which will be out later this year. And I think especially on the first one, it's like I, I listen back to it. And like now I have the guitar tone down that I want. I'm like, oh, man. I can really hear that, like, while writing this, I was listening to a lot of Dead Moon and, and the Gun Club and these kind of bands. So, yeah, I think naturally it just goes there because I just love this sound so much. Wow. So X uh,
0: started in 1977 in Los Angeles, and they're still active to this day. Yes. So they have a long period. However, <laughs> I you know, I, I kind of... I kind of fell off of these guys after a period of time. And uh, and there was a very long period where they didn't release any new music, but they would still tour. And um, in the last 10 years, I think I've seen X probably like three or four times. you know. But yeah. I kind of gave up on it because it just became like the same set over and over again recently. Like it sounded great, but there's only so many times I want to see them perform the same set over and over again. So I I probably won't be seeing them anytime soon unless they maybe release something new or I don't know, or maybe just it hits me to go, I want to see them play uh, more fun
1: in the new world or something, you know? Right. They've they've just been on tour with soft kill for a, for a big stretch. And it's just kind of like that, that band soft kill is, I mean, they're pretty popular and they're doing kind of what i try to do here with my bands that you get like bands that you actually love and that they're maybe have like a cult following to like come out and play shows with them so a while ago i was close to getting crime in the city solution to play like a festival that i set up which didn't pan out but like i was in touch with with Simon Bonnie like the main guy in crime in the city solution that's already for me it's just like a Tick in the box, you know. Um, and Soft Kill, like, dude, like, ever since they got bigger, like, they, they pulled off some stunts. I mean, they got the Chameleons to come over. They got Pink Turns, like, to the States. Like, they got Pink Turns Black from Germany to tour with them in the States. And, like, they're always doing these crazy-ass cool tours. And recently they toured with with X. And I'm like, yeah, man, these guys are real connoisseurs of kind of music from that from that time. So, yeah, I mean, probably like most of you out there listening to this, no soft kill. But like following them on social media is also always a great source for newer bands because they had like this little shop in Portland. And also like for older bands that like maybe are so obscure that you never heard of them. So I found at least three to four bands already I hadn't I maybe wouldn't have never ever heard of. If it weren't for a soft kill,
0: uh, I got to check out that shop because I'm going to be in Portland in a few months um, when I when we go out on that tour at Origin. And uh, cool, yeah, they're they're a cool band. I um actually Max from Atriarch, uh played with them for a while too.
1: Correct, the yeah, drummer, the drummer, yeah, 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 yeah. And they're they're I mean they're one of probably they're the band. Whenever listen to something post punk related on Spotify. And the album is over, and then it goes into a shuffle mode. Probably the first or the second song that will be coming up uh, that that comes up is uh, is a soft kill song. They're they're huge. their they, Their last record was a big hit. They have a new record coming out. They're on a big tour right now. They will do two tours in Europe this year. So they're the band of the hour, as you could say. Yeah, right on.
0: Yeah, yeah I think. Um... How I got into X
1: was, uh, I think I've told,
0: I've mentioned these guys before. There was this dude, uh, Mike Katz, who was like a hard rock metal drummer. And um, when we were kids, he was like a couple years older than me. He went to um, California one summer, and then he he came back. And this this is probably like the summer of 1980 we're talking about. He came back with um, a mixtape of a bunch of cool stuff. On one side was the, uh, the Let Them Eat Jelly Beans uh, compilation, which is also uh, subtitled 17 Extracts from America's Darker Side. And um, <laughs> that was released by Alternative Tentacles and it featured, uh, you know, DOA, Flipper, Black Flag, Dead Kennedys, you know, the Feeders, Subhumans, like stuff like that. So this dude went on to be in a band with these two other guys, John Ritchie, who ended up joining White Zombie in the beginning and uh, this guy Ken Smarr who moved to Boston and started Summit Records Wonder Drug Records and is still up there doing stuff and they were the first like punk band that I knew of in my high school and they were doing a bunch of covers and uh, one of the covers was um, We're Having Much More Fun by X you know, mm. which is on More Fun in the New World and yeah. That was my, um, I remember watching him play at some party somewhere. And I was like, man, this this song's cool. So I was, hey, what what song was that that you guys played? It's like. Oh, uh, that's X. And that was when I got hooked after seeing these guys cover X. And then that was also Mm -hmm. around the time that I was discovering Like around that period of time, there was this crossover of like rockabilly and kind of like Americana into punk rock music. So, you know, bands like the Gun Club, you know, X, there's a band called Dream Syndicate. They had a record called um, Days of Wine and Roses that kind of had that vibe. You know, the Blasters, which were like a straight up, you know, rockabilly group, you know, Flesh Eaters, like all these bands were punk bands. But they had that kind of like, Rock and roll, like old old time rock and roll, uh, you know, rockabilly kind of vibe with the Pompadours, and I always associated those two things as like this really cool like era of punk music, you know. Yeah.
1: So what what was your entry point into the band, Ralph? Oh, my my story is not half as cool as yours. <laughs> uh, <laughs> to me uh i mean i was familiar with punk like in like by by the age of 13 i mean that's what we talked about an older episode like through the whole grunge thing um i kind of like traced back like with all genres i traced back the band shirts that, that people wore so like i i just wrote names down same with death metal i went to the shop and like with with Death metal or black metal, I like like tried to copy the, the squiggly logos with with a pencil and like went to shops like oh that could be it that could be it, and um, with punk it was the same thing because like I mean Kurt Cobain always wore that flipper shirt and and I like had like uh, punk stuff on SSD shirts with the bass player Nirvana I like cursed. and so someone had an X shirt on. And I'm like, oh, that's just like, okay, he has an X on his shirt, great. And then an interview you get asked, it's like, yeah, I said punk band. So I remember that, but I didn't like follow up on that. But then um, a couple of years later, I, 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 I'm not a video, like video game kind of dude. I, I used to play a bit when I was younger. So like Game Boy and Nintendo, such shit. Like like every teenager had that back then. PlayStation One, yes. PlayStation Two, I had two, and then I dropped it. But on PlayStation Two, one of the games that we always played was Tony Hawk, because I associated like with a skate scene, and, and uh, I had a lot of cool music. And then uh, I remember there's one level called Los Angeles, and when you play that 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 level, it starts dun I was like, oh. That sounds fucking cool. Yeah. So I always played that level and loved that song, and that was my introduction to Axe because it was the song "Los Angeles" from their debut "Los Angeles," which is probably their biggest hit, I would say. And um, I yeah, I found it first. I mean, I, I guess eventually I would have found x later as well, but there it was just like that was my favorite song, so I always went back and played that level and enjoyed that song and that's when i went out and got like a second hand cd version of uh i think it was wild gift was my first one and then i found the los angeles one and uh a bit later um see how we care uh see how we are and that's yeah that became my favorite record of them actually really that one see how we are yeah, that's yeah. it's. I know it's weird, but it's like it's already like the pop appeal. It's kind of more. It's a bit darker, and I mean, I love that stuff. But like, it was the first one that really clicked with me.
0: Yeah. Oh, huh, that's interesting, man. That's a good record. I I like that record quite a bit, actually. Yes. You know. Yeah. Um. Yeah, summer. Um, let's go back to the summer of 1986, man. <laughs> yeah. That was the. I actually saw them in the summer of 1986
1: and that's uh, when see how we got him out yeah.
0: yeah at the at the ritz in new york city and um, oh man yeah now that was they had two guitar players they had dave alvin and uh the dude that was uh he was in um lone justice the guy's name is yeah. uh, tony gilkey Gil Gil gilkerson Gil- 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 <sighs> probably fucked they up
1: they all have they, they all have super difficult names yeah. in that band
0: and that surprised me, you know what I mean? Because I actually, I don't even think the record had come out yet. It might have been, uh, yeah. you know, the touring and the record might have came out during that tour. Like, Like information was very hazy back then as far as like, you know, exact dates on like when stuff dropped and the yeah. tours and all that kind of stuff. So that was, I saw them perform live and, you know, I was, I don't know how we got into the venue because... It wasn't we were we were like kids basically, but we just walked in to the Ritz, you know. We had tickets and everything, <laughs> and uh, you know this is New York City in the eighties. Okay, different world than it is today. You know, I went down there. My uh, I was with my girlfriend at the time, and like I said, ex always makes me think of really cool ladies, man. Like, you know, she was like, you know, the dyed black hair, like black lipstick, black nail polish, pale, just like really cool you know, awesome into she ended up going to art school and all this stuff. I mean, I'm not going to mention her name cause I'm not in touch with her anymore. I don't want to, you know, call yeah. her, use names and people. Oh yeah, I know her anyway. You'll just have <laughs> to imagine this stuff, but yeah. So X always made me think about, you know, driving around at night, you know, through my small town, you know, with these like cool ladies and everything and just having fun, you know? And that was, John Doe had, like, a cowboy shirt on, like, a cowboy hat. They played all the songs yeah. I wanted to hear. Uh, this band called The Ranch Hands opened up for them, which I ended up buying a bunch of their records, and they were, like, a New York City kind of, you know, psycho Billy band. And, um, yeah, they they just really were influential on the way I maybe approach music and the way I look at things and, you know, kind of, the, the the outlaw re, the renegade level the renegade aspect of punk music you know not the regimented fucking by the numbers rules regulations of hardcore i never yeah. really got on, on on board with that stuff because i always think the punk stuff seemed a lot more free to me at least
1: you know yeah yeah but it's uh it's funny that like the way you talk about like perceiving a girl that is into this kind of music as something special and cool. And I mean, it's, unfortunately, it's still the case that like most people, I mean, look at us, like, like you said, middle-aged white dudes with cats. And we nerd about the music that we like listen, have been listening to for ages because like most of the time we spend listening to music and finding out more and like cross references. And it's, 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 Totally stereotypical that like some of the girls in scenes they just like like some of the stuff but they don't go all deep. But like if you meet, I mean, and it's perfectly fine. Not everybody needs to be a nerd. But if you find someone and that person may may it be a boy or a girl knows one of these special bands that you're into, that instantaneously makes this person way more attractive and and like already like dripping with sympathy just because of that. And just like an example, when I started uh, dating Danny back then, and we hung out the first time at her place. And within like a couple of minutes, I mentioned, I don't know why the Afghan wicks. And she's like, oh, yeah, they're one of my favorite bands. And then like, it's like kind of like in Wayne's world where like Dreamweaver comes up <laughs> when, when Garth sees the dream chick. I'm like, dude, holy shit! You know the Afghan Wigs, nobody I know knows them and likes them. And she's like, oh yeah, this is my favorite song, this is my favorite record. I'm like, okay, this is the girl I'm going to marry, which I ended up doing. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> sounds really cool now, but like, it, it was a was a like kind of a struggle to go there to get there. But like, to this day, man, if like if you meet someone. Again, like it doesn't have to be in a romantic sense, but if he, this person knows one of the bands that you're into, it's it's so much cooler. And like, it was the same thing when I started like text, uh, like writing emails with Tom, like the guy who sings in Ropes of Night now. His email address is thegunclub at gmx.de. I'm like, okay, fuck yeah and um yeah man it's just I can, I can totally imagine like the way you describe this girl like I can totally see like the fascination and like going to these shows with her
0: yeah yeah totally you know and I mean our our romance only lasted that summer really but you know I mean I don't know she kind of set the template I think for a lot of the things I I seek in women you know yeah um that same night I, I remember we went to uh Trash Vaudeville on St. Mark's Place which I think is I think it's gone. Probably, most likely, it's gone at this point. But that's, you know, it was like this cool like shop. I bought a Bauhaus T-shirt there, and uh, yeah, that's my my great memories of that night. You know, but um, <clears throat> X has had several different eras in their career. Yeah. <clears throat> so, um, their first couple of records, Los Angeles and a Wild Gift, came out on Slash, and uh, that record that record label put out like a you know, a lot of those seminal bands from the time. The germs yeah. were on Slash, Gun Club, you know, Flesh Eaters who I mentioned before. Uh blasters, yeah. you know. And it was um you know, Slash was like a bigger DIY punk label from the time. And um those early records were more typical, I think, of what was going on in the uh the punk milieu, you know, like as far as Borrowing heavily from, you know, traditional American rock and roll. Speeding, yeah. speeding it up, uh, you know, and having more uh, socially kind of relevant lyrics and stuff, you know. And, and a lot of their, the, one of the things I really enjoyed about X's songs was the storytelling in each one of the songs. You know, and they also had this really cool harmonizing between Exine Cervenka and John Doe. Well, actually, before we yeah. go on, let's talk about the original lineup, which I think is actually yes. back to being the current lineup. And um, so the, the original lineup is uh, Exine Cervenka. Her real name is uh, Christine Lee Cervanka on vocals. John Doe. OK, now this one, his name. <laughs> John Monmanson Duchak, <laughs> <laughs> Bass and vocals. And I I feel like they're the primary uh, songwriters in the band, and they were for a time married.
1: Yep. Yeah. Exeed actually, and she was. I'm sorry. Yeah, what were, were you go gonna ahead. say? No, I just wanted to say because you mentioned the poetic lyrics, and mm-hmm. that's what like made me like they appeal to me too. Because um, when they started out, and she was his girlfriend, and he took her, like he found through an ad. He found uh, Billy Zoom, the guitar player, and, and she just tagged along and she was a poet. So yeah. she wrote like these poets and uh, p- these poems and ended up being the singer. And that's like one of the quality that distinguishes them from a lot of bands from that time is that the lyrics are just extraordinarily good.
0: Yeah. And then we have uh, Billy Zoom, Stuart Tyson Kindle on guitar, and uh, DJ Bonebreak and this is the one like, probably the more more straightforward names donald j bonebreak that's actually his last name bonebreak
1: that that's a cool last name yeah see i wanted i wanted to like i i fumbled there but like when i made that joke about exhibit i wanted to actually like introduce and like, ask like mike if you if you ever would like join a, a hip hop group and would be the person to make the music would your name be dj bonebreak and <laughs>
0: sure yeah that 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 would probably never happen because i don't really know anything about uh, making beats or anything but yeah um that would probably be an apt an apt uh stage moniker
1: you know yeah it it could be like in a wrong sense it could be like one of the douchebags that plays limb biscuit could be like oh he's dj bone break (laughs) but like yeah it's 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 fucking cool that it's actually his last name is like bone break
0: yeah Um, so we were talking about the lyric writing and yeah, Exine was a poet and, um, that's one of the qualities. Now I'm going to draw some parallels here between the doors X and the kind of, um, you know, beat poetry, you know? And I think like Jim Morrison was heavily influenced by like Arthur Rimbaud and poetry essentially. And, um, You know, they were, they were like the quintessential, the Doors were like the quintessential Los Angeles bands. And I feel like the Doors were the direct sort of godfathers of kind of dark rock and goth and punk and stuff like that. You know what I mean? I even think the Doors might have influenced later Black Flag, if you ask me. Yeah. You know? So I've always connected X and the Doors furthermore because uh ray manzarek would come to produce some of their music and also play yeah. keyboards on the on uh, on the song nausea and also they cover soul kitchen by the doors so yep. there's this whole atmosphere of you know poetry and and you know
1: stuff like that so i
0: i, I always was really fascinated by all those connections
1: with this band and like the the cool thing is about what what distinguishes them from a lot of the bands as well as you mentioned, Exegene and John Doe. They were a couple, and they wrote lyrics together in this poetic form. But they also had like these weird kind of semi-harmonic uh, trademark co-vocals they wrote, uh, and. They remind me a lot of the B52s without the I mean yeah, the humoristic aspect in a way. I mean the B52s have like some of these darker songs that like, go into that vein, but like from the singing where you have like almost parallel male female vocals in that vein. Like when I when I first like because I knew the B52s before I knew X because they were kind of big back then, and I'm like, "Oh, this sounds like them just in dark"
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I um uh, once again the B fifty two is a band that Erica would play at at her parties, you know. And uh yeah. I'm have always been a big fan of their first couple records. Uh yeah, you know, I, I the guitar player in that band, whatever his name is, I thought his riffs were like really cool. Yes.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, really cool like music. And um, but yeah, that that was like um the X I always felt were like quote unquote heavier. You know the guitar sound was yeah. a little bit more you know a little tougher sounding to me you know
1: yeah yeah but they got again like they've got this twang in the guitars that i love so much so it's like recently i i actually found i probably found out why i like this stuff so much but because, like, all these bands, like, like Gun Club, The Cramps, and, and, yeah, X or The Replacements, they all, like, they play, like, mostly, like, you know, like, Telecasters, or Jazzmasters, or Gretsch guitars, and with a lot of reverb, but not a lot of delay, which is also typical of, like, the Stray Cats or stuff like this. We have, like, this rockabilly tone, which is the classic rock and roll tone, pretty much from the 50s and 60s. And, uh... I don't know like i i was like trying to find the root of this why where was the first band or like the first song in that vein that really did it for me and i remember when i was way young i mean it must have been like at the time when i was still into michael jackson and and like in the early early 90s uh i think um blue hotel of chris isaac came out yeah yeah and like then i like i tracked down a vinyl copy of that same same title chris isaac record and it has like it has blue hotel and uh like all the other hits and then again he's in twin peaks and he's a friend of david lynch so we've got this connection throughout all of it and so now i keep on playing like that 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 uh, chris isaac record and like i think blue hotel is probably one of the coolest songs ever yeah
0: I feel like Chris Isaac was kind of adjacent to all this. Like I don't know if he was actually ever a punk, but I feel like he might have been around like all this stuff back then yeah. too.
1: You know? Might that would make sense, yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I like that silver tone record too. Yeah. Yeah, they have that song The, the Lonely Ones. That song's awesome. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So their next two albums, um, Under the Big Black Sun and More Fun in the New World. Uh, 1982 through 84. They came out on Electra Records now which is a major label. So yep. that was not unusual back then. You know, to have a band like a punk rock band get signed to a major label. You know, that happened. You know what I mean? Like the B52s ended up on a major label, you know. Yep. Um so yeah, those those records uh still expanding beyond what they're punk sound was you know if you want like the more raw like punk sounding stuff go to El- los angeles and wild gift under the big black sun there's like saxophones and ballads you know uh you know the song come back to me uh is is uh on that record and that's a song that Zine wrote about her uh, recently deceased uh sister and yep. uh yeah so that that's more like going towards the direction of i dare to say
1: commercial acceptance you know what i mean yeah and they also they they kind of wanted that at some point i mean it's it's kind of like a a similar story to the replacements and all these other bands so yeah you have a first record and it's it's rough it's uh it's already like you can already see like the quality of the band with the second one they they go faster and shorter which is uh, like comparable to the replacements and here wild gift is like the even more punk rock uh, version of the band x but then like they get they got their reputation and people like them and they get bigger and then they get signed to a major label and they they dare more and then in within the next record they kind of develop the feeling that uh Maybe we should be like on a different level and maybe we should earn more money for what the, all the stuff that we do. And then when you follow the discography upwards, and I mean, we'll talk about this, you can hear that the, that it gets cleaner in the tone and like the songs are more poppy. Um, I mean, it's their quality. They had like this quality right from the get go but it got more and more and to a point where they are frustrated that it doesn't work, that the other bands that become big stars and they're not. And and then they think about like calling it quits. Then they break up, they go back together and they do what they love best. And they're awesome at what they do, but there will just never be a commercially successful band like others in that vein.
0: I think also the, this, this was like a little bit before, um, you know, the kind of, very militant diy like you know it was not cool to make a career out of music kind of vibe that you know hardcore sort of had you know and uh and you know like bands like the gun club the replacements you know uh you know who's good do uh they looked at themselves more as musicians who would like to make a living doing what they're doing as opposed to just people from the suburbs who are playing shows and like, uh, VFWs and stuff like that. Yep. So now we go into the quote unquote commercial era, uh, 1985 through 1987. And this is when Billy zoom drops out of the band. And, um, now the funny thing about him, I was always really fascinated by this guy because he kind of had this stationary stance on stage. He was just kind of hang out in this one position and, had this, like, smile on his face that was, like, very... um, Either he was, like, the nicest guy in the world or a total serial killer. You know, he was, like, one or the other. (laughs) You couldn't really read where this guy was coming from. You know, he had this... You know, he had a cool jacket on and everything, and the the bleach blonde pompadour, you know, playing these, like, rockabilly riffs and everything, and uh, the Gretsch guitar. Um, So he ended up bowing out around 85 around that period of time um, when they made, uh, you know, they they had a new producer, Michael Wagner, you know, and and he had done like Alice Cooper and Dokken and stuff like that. So there was definitely a changing of of, uh, approach during this period of the band that you can imagine Billy Zoom, you know, was like, ah, this isn't really for me anymore. You know, but he did record on uh, the Ain't Love Grand record, which has uh, a burning house of love and 4th of July and all that kind of stuff on it. Yep. This is the period that I saw them for the first time. And, um, it was that, uh, rare, apparently rare time where they had two guitar players. Like I mentioned earlier, they had Dave Alvin from the blasters and that dude from Lone Justice. Dave Alvin would not stick around to record with them. He would just yep. I guess he just did those tours and the Lone Justice guy would become their permanent guitar player
1: for many, yep. many years. Yeah, I think soon left after Angel of Grand and then in this like towards recording See How We Are and the tour, that must have been the tour you saw them on. Yeah. Like the two guys jumped in and after that tour they lost one of the guys again. Yeah.
0: Actually, let's take a quick um, aside because uh Exine and John They had a band called the knitters, which, um, was like a a pretty straight up Americana, like rockabilly country band that had uh, Dave Alvin was in that too. I believe, uh, some guys in the the flesh eaters were in it. The fuck was that? Someone's talking here. Uh, So it must be my, my Siri or something creepy. (laughs) Um, yeah, and they put out a record in 1985, which I have on vinyl. I remember buying that at Trash American Style. <laughs> Poor little critter on the road, and um, and then they wouldn't put out another record until uh,
1: 2005. So yeah,
0: yeah. Have you ever checked that out? No,
1: I I I heard the name before. Now doing research, I'm like, oh, that's them. I didn't know that. So like, it is on my list to stuff I need to check out. Yeah. Once again, that
0: was an Erica Blitz, um, you know, reference. Like, she's the one who had that record before anyone else did. <laughs> yeah. So, Erica Blitz, shout out. <laughs> now, this is the period of time where I kind of dropped off. Like, I the Ain't Love Grand record I have, you know, I have yep. the record after that. But this is when the period of time where I kind of, like, the you know the honeymoon was over i felt like with with x for me at least yeah yeah you know, i mean there's there's all, no. see see how we yeah. all came out and you were saying that's one of the, one of the
1: records you really like by them yeah because i think um if i if i again like the the blessing of being born younger you know if i'd if i'd gone the way that you did like being around when these first like the first stuff came out i'd probably felt different um but it was, like, one, you know, back then, it was, like, going to a, that, like, it was called Music Garage in in the small town of Heppenheim, where I come from. And they only had, like, shelves and shelves of second-hand CDs. And, like, I just went through there, you know, like, uh, I mean, I pulled out the, the Fields of the Nephilim, like, double life album on CD back then for, like, now compared would be, like, two, two bucks or something. So I was, like broken trays and and just like the cover and the cds but then i always like went to like a high fee store and got like new trays but i got tons and tons of great music there and that was like the only x thing they had was to see how we are cds so that was like my my starting point and because it was so important back then when i listened to it a lot like it's it's it still stuck as my favorite i think like if I if I went out of myself and just, like, look at the whole discography and go back without, like, knowing, like, I wouldn't see all of it in one place. I think Under the Big Black Sun would be my favorite because it's kind of their darkest and, I mean, has its heavy subject with the death of her sister. Um, but so, like, See How We Are has that special place in my heart. But I can see, like, why people back then backed out of the band because it's has i mean it has something to do with the band that recorded los angeles and wild gift and all this stuff but the punk is pretty much gone from all the music it's it's pretty much it's energetic roots rock with a bit of blues in it yeah
0: yeah i I could dig that um see how we are i think i made a mistake and i said fourth of july was on um ain't love grand i think the song fourth of july is on see how we are i believe yeah 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 that's correct that's a great song and a little another quick aside is dave alvin actually had a solo record that came out i think in like 87 ish or so um Mm -hmm. i went to see him play in boston at the paradise on the on his solo Mm -hmm. tour and he also performed fourth of july which was on his solo record so that song i have to check the credits they might have co-wrote that song together on that record yeah cool yeah Dave Alvin yeah. has always been kind of a friend of the band, you know what I mean? Like they um you know, they were they were in uh, you know, the Knitters together. Uh Dave Alvin, I believe, had something to do with the the nineteen eighty one Flesh Flesh Eaters record that John Doe was on. That also featured uh DJ Bonebreak DJ Bonebreak played on that. And um mm.
1: You ever you ever check out the Flesh Eaters? I do like their first record a lot. Yeah. That's that's stuff I found and uh I dig that too. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. That first record is called
0: A Minute to Pray, A Second to Die. And um, if you like X, definitely cool. check that out, you know, for sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, then, well, but back then when you saw them, it was like they were on their, I think, on their last fuel tank, so to say, because after that they kind of went on a hiatus, which ended up being like a breakup until they reformed in 1990. And then in 1993, the, well, Let's say the, the artwork is terrible. The music is not my thing. Uh, the Jesus record. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I don't even know anything about that record. Like, I have never listened to it. Uh, they, they have another record that came out in 2020 called Alf- Alphabet Land, which I still haven't listened yeah. to
1: either. And that's actually okay. It's really okay. It sounds like it could be like between 9081 and 9085 but with a better production. So it has the trademark stuff they do, but what they did is re-record some older songs. There's uh, stuff on there when you go through the discography, you see like they played that live already or they have it as as a B-side or something. But they recorded two new songs, and from there on they went on to do this record. Um, And it's cool, it's really cool. Like I tried the Jesus record, and uh, now I don't know, like I have, it's it's also weird. Do you, you know that movie uh, of course you know the movie but like Die Hard with a Vengeance? Of course. So the third Classic. part. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and um remember that like when when McClane is in I don't know, is it in the Bronx or is it in Harlem where they like where they where they where he has to like w- walk around in the in the, in, the, in his boxers with that uh, thing I hate N word. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that's in the Bronx actually in the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and then like then uh, Samuel Jackson saves him and they are like in that taxi, they have to like like convince the driver to like run and he's always says like Jesus, thank you, Jesus and he's like, Dude, motherfucker, my name's not Jesus, but the boys they call you. No, my name is Zeus. They said, Hey Zeus and I'm like, ah, okay. <laughs> so and I'm like, Okay, isn't it like the same time but now Jesus, the album came out in ninety three and Die Hard with the Vengeance came out in ninety five, yeah.
0: Yeah, you know, I discovered something very unfortunate about Eggzine Cervenka is that she is this uh this kind of right
1: leaning person, you know. Yeah, so yeah, kinda of like right leaning. Yeah, I wanted to come to that. Like Christine, not my real name, was her YouTube name before the videos got got banned. Yeah. That's that's uh that's really
0: kind of weird. But hey, people yeah. uh, you know yeah. not everyone. <laughs> I just find it funny that someone who came out of like the punk scene can have politics like that, like apparently Dave Smalley is like that too,
1: yeah, Waddy of the exploited is the same way too, yeah, so like one of the proto punks well sometimes, but well, that's the that's the thing that we saw in the pandemic and and in general' it's like sometimes some people are so left they come out on the right side, and uh it's it's kind of weird, like especially with the conspiracy theories I mean she. She claimed that the Isla Vista shootings in 2014 were uh, a hoax to to uh, root for more gun control by the government, which is like, ah, it's so dumb. And yeah, what I read like when I read an article about this, she's, she she was a big supporter of Trump and all this this the, his his kind of storylines. I mean, yeah, I I, I see like becoming like, a soft kill. They were like being left left leaning punks in a way. And so, like, they're, they're doing this and, and going on tour with someone you know that they're actually uh, kind of dimwits when it comes to this.
0: I have um, – it's funny. I was talking about Billy Zoom and his departure and the kind of, um, you know, the kids and, like, the yeah. injection of hardcore. So here's uh, Billy Zoom from uh, an article in Glide magazine. Uh, the interviewer asked him what kind of kids are at the early X shows. And uh, his response was, I don't know if it was that many kids in the beginning. The original punk crowd was probably my age, so 20s, early 30s. You know, punk in the 70s was a pretty urban, centralized thing. And each city had its own little punk scene. And there wasn't a lot of commingling. I was in Hollywood, so it was mostly 13, 14, 15, 16-year-old runaways who were living on the street and stuff. That was them and the older punkers. And then later on, it had been going for a couple of years, the kids from the suburbs started showing up and that kind of changed everything on the scene. And that kind of reflects like what Rollins writes about with Black Flag, where it was like this kind of city-centered uh, thing. And then when all these like, suburban jocks started showing up is when things started getting really violent. You know, and I, and I guess yeah. that, that's kind of like the deal with these guys. And that's probably probably around the time when X were thinking about greener pastures and becoming more professional musicians and that sort of thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I haven't seen them. I would watch them. I doubt there will be kids starting a circle pit in the in the audience now. <laughs> I assume I would be one of the younger people in the crowd. <laughs> yeah,
0: it was funny. I I saw X and the Rollins band perform together. They remember when they toured like about fifteen years ago. Maybe it was like, um, the, it was X and the Rollins band, and it was uh, the Rollins band with Melvin Gibbs. So it was not the uh-huh. Mother Superior version. It was not. It was. It wasn't the original version. It was like the the Wait era band of the Rollins band. Uh-huh. And um. I was like, oh, cool, X rollins Band, great, you know? And I remember during the Rollins Band set, there was, like, all these out-of-shape, like, middle-aged dudes that were trying to... And, you know, this is 15 years ago, so they weren't quite as old as they are now. Um yeah. <laughs> Trying to, like, you know, mosh pit together. And I was like, <laughs> oh, man, this is really embarrassing. These dudes are, like, all out of shape and everything. And, like, one guy, like his blackberry fell out of his pocket so he had to be like, oh, wait hold on i gotta pick up my phone <laughs> and it was just like oh man like it was like i felt so like cynical after that you know what i mean
1: oh um, man yeah
0: but yeah huh. x x yeah, had well. kind of distanced himself from the circle pits like i would say as early as like 1984
1: probably you know they're more like a dance band, you know, like yeah. like a rock and roll yeah. bands. Sure. I can see that. Like the cool people with their creepers shaking it off to that. It's yeah. like what that would be make wouldn't make sense, yeah. You know?
0: you know, and for me it's I always just think about being a being like in high school, man, like driving around in my parents' car, you know, with like you know, my girlfriend at the time, listening to music, going to diners you know there's not it wasn't much to do like in that town so it was like go to the movies or go to some kind of party or something like that where five other kids would be listening to you know the b-52s and the cramps and stuff you know yeah i always remember the the cool hairstyles that these girls had they were like the thing was um hairspray right you know you go to to bed you don't wash your hair okay yep so the hairspray would would make this really cool like thing with the hair and i was, was really yeah. that, that's always been like my thing i
1: guess you know yeah <laughs> i mean it's the it's the 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 robert smith version to like to call it to uh, making your hair yeah. yeah but uh i mean it's funny like i i talked about this before like my introduction to god and all this stuff was probably Like these French, older French guys and gals that were like these exchange kids in my, in this uh, like summer camp kind of thing in my little town where I was like the chubby 11 year old boy wearing like Maui Waui shirts, which was like a t-shirt company back then. They had like a a small blonde ponytail and shit like this. So like, like, like like a complete fool. And these kids were like in summer, like in the in the teenage disco is what they call it, between New Kids on the blog and whatever was popular back then, they were dancing to uh, Friday I'm in love. And now no, no, Boys Don't Cry. And they had like these grey, grey um, old like army jackets on oh, and nice. had like these yeah, I had like these these caps on, the, the ones that also like the, the Irish people, I don't know how you call them, these flat top caps. And they had like the black dyed hair come out like in, like th- over their face, you know, like the kind of the devil locks and shit like this. And had like these spiky boots and they were dancing like this front, like step, to back step, front step, back step. Like this cool goth kind of dance, and I was there again, like not like with uh with Dreamweaver, but it was just like ah, you know the epiphany of cool, oh, which yeah. I absolutely wasn't back then, and this to me is like when 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 I mean, we were talked about the little vampire, this german Canadian show from the eighties, which had like my my first proper introduction to goth vampires. This even like these vampires are more goth than the ones in Lost Boys. It's almost more like The Hunger. And um, I don't know, man. It's just like this time and this kind of uh, like the optical thing where like how the videos are produced. And this is how my memory is of these things. Best described if you guys out there, I mean, we talked about this. It's like t- cold completely weirdo band. Not a lot of people know about, but Mighty Spinkter and they have the video for ghost walking which looks like recorded on an uh, like an old video camera and what, like how like, what was that? video 8 or like how did they
0: probably like, like super the 8 old,
1: yeah super yeah eight. super 8 right it yeah. looked like a super 8 camera and like this creepy guy on on a on a on a graveyard this is like to me to this day is the epiphany of cool i will never look like this i would never I could never pull it off It would be super phony if I tried to do something like this, but I always find myself going back watching these videos and think this is the coolest thing ever.
0: So, yeah, let's do our our rundown of, uh, you know, favorite tracks.
1: Yeah. Let's just, just a second before we we go out, like because I want to mention, because we talked about Gene and uh, her weird views on things, (laughs) but John Doe, man, John Doe is like a prof- prolific actor by now. He, he's been in the fucking Roadhouse movie. He's been in Boogie Nights and like about like 20 other movies. Like if you go to IMDb, this guy's got a record and also X's music has been featured in a lot of productions and uh, some, something like if you like into the stuff that we talk about here, the band X and gun club and all these bands, John Doe wrote a book called under the big black sun, the history of California punk. And there's a second part to it coming out soonish. And I can only recommend this book. It's really fucking awesome. Yeah.
0: Also, there's a documentary uh, called The Unheard Music, which is a really good resource for the early stuff by them. It talks about, you know, their, their formation of the band. And I think that um, that documentary might have been recorded around the time that they signed to a major label. hmm
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, Mike, what are your jams?
0: Uh, well, no particular order. Uh, we have uh, Sugar Light, which is off of Los Angeles. Uh, the Hungry Wolf, which is off of Under the Big Black Sun, and that's a song I've always wanted to cover. The Hungry mm-hmm. Wolf, Come Back to Me, which is uh, the song uh, that Exene wrote about her, her, her recently, her past uh, sister. That's on Under the Black, Under the Big Black Sun. We're having much more fun from More Fun in the New World, which is the first song I ever heard by X. And, uh, that was, uh, back to, uh, my friend's band covering it at a party back when I was in high school, uh, white girl off of wild gift, the title track for Los Angeles, which would be of course, Los Angeles, uh, burning house of love, which was kind of a big single for them off of ain't love grand blue spark also off of under the big black sun and, uh, Finally, my final selection is Soul Kitchen, the
1: Doors cover, which is off of Los Angeles. (laughs) Cool. Good choices. A lot lot of same stuff on my list here. Um, I got to say, even though maybe not the best choice, but Wild Thing, their cover song of the trucks, Wild Thing, has a special place in my heart because it's been featured in Major League. For all you Germans out there, it's the Indiana from Cleveland. Again, they just called it the Indians of Cleveland because Major League doesn't make sense in Germany. Um, so it's featured there. And also now in AEW, the wrestling league I, I watched, the guy, John Moxley, is coming out to that song. And he's like a real ass kicker. So it's kind of fun thing. So yeah, that was also like a song that I knew um, early on. My favorite song of X is I Must Not Think Bad Thoughts. That's a good one. Um, yeah, it's a, just such a cool song. Burning House of Love, always been one of my favorites. Um, I'm Lost, 4th of July and Left Right, off of See How We Are. Um, Soul Kitchen, Nausea, and Los Angeles of the first one. Um, Some Other Time of Wild Gift, which to me is a A to A gun club song. Um, White Girl of that record is amazing. Yeah, I have "Hungry Wolf," "Blue Spark" as well, and um, I think yeah, that's probably there's a. If you check out the new song, uh, the new record, there's a song called "Strange Life" and "Alphabet Land," the title track. They're also both good songs, and no fucking feature of Jesus because that record blows.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you have it, man. And um, yeah, thanks, Ralph. And uh, once again, congratulations yep. on the new Altho record, and um, you know, good
1: luck on t- on the road. Yeah, thanks dude. The same to you. I mean you're heading out too first first activities with our bands in the proper touring form. Yeah.
0: Should be interesting. All right. Yes. Man. We'll talk to you guys next week. Take care.